You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app. For Beyond Profit, a podcast of the ANA Center for Brand Purpose, I'm Ken Bolliou. The core values that a company or brand stands for extend well beyond inspirational words on a wall. To customers, employees, and other stakeholders, values are meant to shape an organization's culture, define its identity, and serve a higher purpose than any product or service. And in challenging times, having the courage to defend those values with conviction can give a business the credibility and momentum it needs to win favor with stakeholders and distance itself from competitors. Unfortunately, as we've seen, when brands come under fire, they often lose sight of their values, rendering them meaningless amid the excuse-making and backpedaling. To discuss the importance of values, how to defend them, and the power they yield in great marketing, I am joined by Kelly O'Keefe, founding partner of Brand Federation, a team of nationally recognized brand strategists. An inductee in the Virginia Communications Hall of Fame, Kelly is a highly regarded strategic brand advisor who has worked with leading companies including Capital One, GE, ESPN, Walmart, and UPS. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Ken. I'm thrilled to be here. So Kelly, I want to start our conversation today on a very basic level. People sometimes confuse values with purpose and mission. So how do you, how does your organization differentiate those terms? You know, when when I think of mission, a mission is a word that originated in the military. We are on a mission to accomplish something. So it speaks to a destination, a goal that you're trying to accomplish and that you're unwilling to fail. If the mission is we're going to take that hill, we're going to take that hill no matter what happens. Tactics can change. Missions don't. Now, in, in practice, they evolve. Um, but the mission should be aspirational and it should be focused on the destination. And interestingly, in in the nonprofit world, a mission can even be so aspirational that it is impossible for us to conceive of it ever being achieved. An example of that might be Amnesty International. We don't want them to say our goal is to eliminate 40 percent of human rights abuses. We want them to say our goal is to eliminate all human rights abuses. We won't rest until that stops, even though the discerning public knows that's probably never going to happen. We wish it would, but it's probably never going to happen. We don't want to hear an aid organization say we want 50 percent fewer people to go go to bed hungry. Right. We want them to say nobody should go to bed hungry. So an aspiration has permission to be a little bit bigger. Values, on the other hand, they're a little bit more about who we are. Are we empathetic? Do we demonstrate integrity? Are we innovative? Often the best values are characteristics that are things that you can say about human beings. And so they're aligned, you know, because in order to accomplish this goal, you need people who have these kind of values, but the values are deeper within us. And the The aspiration is something we're trying to accomplish. Purpose Purpose relates to both a little bit. But I think, uh, you know, if somebody, if a corporate CEO tells me, well, I don't use the term mission, I use the term purpose, I say, I'm okay with that. 
as long as you're on a path to try and accomplish something, as long as you are more purposeful in the work that you're doing, I think that's fine. So talk about then, Kelly, the importance of aligning a brand's values with purpose or mission, as you said, and how that can positively affect an entire organization. Yeah, internally, it has a great effect on the organization because, you know, one of the challenges in corporate America is we have too many options. Technology affords us millions of options every day. We can acquire companies. We can expand territory. Should we use AI to augment our services? What kind of people should we hire? And in a world where almost every choice is available to us, we have to decide which are the choices that we actually feel like we should pursue. Having a clear sense of purpose or mission gives us that. We know what we're going to do. And we know what we're not going to do. So it, it aids decision-making. I'll give you an example of a, a brand that probably far too often becomes a touchstone in conversations. But Apple Computer, the most valuable company on earth. And yet, they have a clear sense of purpose around empowering creativity. They're very articulate about that. About creating tools that simplify the ease of use for technology. So yes, we are a technology company, but our whole focus is to make it easy, simple, clean, unencumbered, minimalist, a get out of the way of the consumer doing what they want to do. And those, those cornerstones of who they are have served them well year after year after year after year. Yes, they make new devices and new, new tools, but they make them very infrequently and they make them really really well. They're not trying to pursue everything. Whereas if you look at competitors like Samsung, they're in lots of different categories. They have lots of different models of phone and things. Apple is much more focused on simplicity. You mentioned the word simplify, Kelly, and I'm just curious when working with clients, is that something that you advocate for when it comes to coming up with a purpose statement to simplify it? Yes. I'm, I'm smiling because we just helped a Fortune 500 company that is a, a wonderful company to redraft its mission statement. And uh, its former mission statement didn't feel like a mission. It felt like every possible mission <laughs> put together. Uh, and that often happens because you get in a room with a bunch of people and everybody gets their concept into the mission statement. But really, a mission statement should be much more singular than that. It's hard to execute everything. Tell me what you're going to be the best at. And you don't have to tell me what you're going to be good at. You know, sure, we do other things, but we're we are going to be better than anybody else at doing this one thing or die trying. And that's the kind of thing I think that's a situation where simplicity really helps. Mm -hmm. And when you think about brands, we tend to think about what can we add to this brand? But really, great brands are built almost as much by subtraction as addition. What are we not going to do? What are we not going to pursue? That's a, that's an interesting perspective, one that you don't hear too often. I, I want to take our conversation back to brand values. Do you feel that they influence an organization's role in society and you know the stances that it takes on the big stage? Well, they should. I mean, if we look at brand values and we use them as a way to help answer new challenges or new questions, then they should be able to inform us about 
how to respond to different circumstances uh, in, in the world around us. You know, Lord knows we, we're constantly seeing new circumstances that we have to respond to politically, culturally, economically, competitively. And if if I have a set of values, one of the things I always suggest to our clients is the first place to go is ask if our values will answer those questions for us. So I'll give you an example in my own company. We believe that people do their very best work when they live their very best lives. I was approached recently by two of my partners who said, Kelly, we're thinking about going with a an unlimited PTO policy. And we wonder if you'd be willing to do that. Well, I haven't had one of those before in a company. Now, we, we have... Uh, exceedingly flexible working uh, terms, but I've never done the unlimited PTO. So I thought, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> but then I thought about our values and I thought about our aspiration that people lead their best lives, that people who work for us feel like their life doesn't come in second. It comes always in first. Family always comes first at our company. So I was able to use our values to help answer the question. And now we have an unlimited PTO policy. That's a simple thing. But we look at companies like Budweiser. And Budweiser has certainly been in the press for, for questionable responses to their values. They have value statements that say, we believe that everybody should be able to enjoy a beer. You know, I, I looked at that immediately after they got into some trouble because of their response to the Dylan Mulvaney mm-hmm. issues. And I thought, well, I think the answer is there, right? Why should we have any problem uh, with anybody enjoying a cold Budweiser at any time they want to? And if Kid Rock has a problem with that, then maybe we should defend ourselves instead of backing down. You know, it would be easy enough if you really were driven by your purpose and you really did believe that everybody should be treated the same as their mission suggests. It would be easy enough to say, look, we <laughs> Kid Rock was also in the public eye when he made a sex tape uh, that was widely distributed and people were questioning his choices in life. But we didn't question his choices in life because we don't think it's any of our business. And maybe they still would have had some trouble but at least they would have looked like they took a stand instead of firing the marketing people involved with the Dylan Mulvaney thing and backpedaling month after month after month. It sounds to me, Kelly, that you're certainly in favor with aligning the values, the purpose, the mission, what have you, with the personal values and purposes of, of employees and how important that is to an organization. Yes, absolutely. You should be listening to what's important to your employees. Now, it can be challenging because we live in a very politicized world that tends to look at all decision-making as either left or right. What I think leaders need to do is never, ever frame those decisions based on left and right. Always frame those decisions based on wrong and right. Is it right for us to have a say in the private lives of those who enjoy our product? No. Who could argue with that? End of story. Once again, it's it's a matter of simplification, right? Boil it down to its simplest efforts. Don't characterize it in, as a political direction, progressive, conservative, left, right. 
just say, we think it's right for people to be able to lead the lives they want to lead. And if they want to do it with a cold Budweiser in their hand, that's good. <laughs> All the better. Yeah. Kelly, you have said that brand differentiation can come from values because consumers today look beyond the functional benefits of a business. So can you elaborate a bit on that insight? You know, technology has changed so much. Back, uh, back when I was in school, we were taught the four Ps, uh, product, price, place, promotion. And that's what drove brands. But it doesn't anymore. You know, you think about product and in so many categories, the distance between having a new product innovation and everyone else having that same product innovation is like that. I mean, it's so fast, right? The Apple introduced arguably the most differentiated product in the phone category. Nothing had ever looked like this or functioned like this before. And within no time at all, everybody else had a phone that looks and functions almost identically. And that's true in almost every category. So, uh, and in fact, some categories, the product is identical. Do you want a Dasani or Aquafina? I mean, come on. <laughs> so product differentiation has long since lost its leadership in terms of how we differentiate brands because there's less differentiation available to us because technology allows the competitors to catch up fast. Price, also often near identical and always overvalued. I don't know any marketers who don't think price is more important to their consumers than, they, than it actually is when you test consumers. Uh, you know, you, you'll talk to college students and they'll say, well, it's all, you know, I'm all, it's all about price. And, and then, and we've done this research at our company. And then you say, okay, well, do you drink the cheapest beer you can buy or do you ever drink craft beer? Oh no, I love craft beer, you know? Okay, well, that's pretty expensive, right? Are you, are you buying the cheapest clothes you could buy? Well, no, I'm, I'm not really buying the cheapest clothes. Almost in no place in their life are they buying the lowest price. So price is certainly part of the equation, but it's not as significant. Place, you know, every the place for everything is the internet, right? We so the internet has kind of eliminated the import of place, and then promotion is still important, but only if it's well aligned with purpose. I think those functional differentiation areas they still have value, but what people are differentiating more on is point of view, is belief system, is Patagonia product so different from many of their competitors. No, it's almost identical to many of their competitors, but their value system is entirely different. Do you feel brands and businesses have a point of view? Do you feel that enough of them do? No, I would say not enough of them do. I think they're catching up. We're starting to see this happen in the C-suite where the CEOs you know, are saying, I want us to stand for something. And I, I, I want our people to feel like we matter. Ken, one of the things that blows me away when you say, are, are most brands like that? No, and most brands don't matter. This is the, this is the dirty little secret of brands. Uh, you know, we in the branding business think brands are all things. But if you go to a grocery store, this is true, the average grocery store has over 40,000 products right now. By the way, that's tripled over the last few decades. 40,000 different products. And you walk up and down the, the aisles in the grocery store, chances are you recognize most of them. Oh, it's 
it's shredded wheat, it's ragu, it's uh, Hostess Twinkies, it's, you know, it's Hot Pockets. We recognize all of those brands, but almost none of them actually matter to us. And we kind of know this from testing. For example, if you've got Duracell next to Energizer, and Duracell is 10 cents more, consumers will buy Energizer. They, they think they're both fine, and I'll take the one that's cheaper. And if you can't charge more for your product than the other product in category, your brand has no value, zero. So we recognize brands that don't matter. Enron is a brand we recognize. Does it matter? We recognize BP. They dumped a ton of oil into the Gulf of Mexico uh, after saying that they were going to be the cleanest energy company on the planet. Not sure we trust them anymore. So if those brands don't matter, they're not living up to their potential. Because when a brand has influence over consumer decision-making is when it matters to us. Now, we also all have brands that matter to us. Maybe it's Starbucks. Maybe you're out in the country and John Deere, you'd be willing to pay for more for every single time as, as most would. Maybe you're an outdoors person and you love REI or Patagonia. Those brands matter to you because they're aligned with who you are. And so there's a connection between your identity and theirs. Hello, Beyond Profit listener. Since 1982, the ANA Nonprofit Federation has led the way in providing the professional education, peer networking, and trusted guidance that nonprofits need to advance their missions and grow giving. We understand the critical impact nonprofits have in the world and the challenges they face across the sector. The ANA Nonprofit Federation has your back so you can move forward. Learn how by visiting ana.net slash beyond nonprofit. And now, back to the show. I'm speaking today with Kelly O'Keefe, the founding partner of Brand Federation. So Kelly, why must a brand be fully prepared to defend its brand values with conviction, even against stiff headwinds? Well, they're not really values or convictions. If you're willing to give them up the second, they're challenged, right? Your employees know that. They know better. They know that the, the sign of whether or not something really matters to you is whether or not you will defend it even when it hurts. And I, I'll tell you a brand that we saw do that very admirably, I think, is Nike, when they uh, were challenged by their stance supporting Colin Kaepernick after he took a knee. Just like Budweiser got some friction on the Bud Light count when they uh, backed Dylan Mulvaney, Nike got immense friction. And what they did was very different. They said, you know what? We're doubling down because this is what we believe. We believe that athletics can be a, a way to bring equality to our world. And we believe athletes have a right to have a voice and we encourage them to do so. Their stock price, which was forecast to go down because people were literally you know, throwing away their Nikes, must have been great at the thrift store after that. You know, They were raid on the goodwill after people were throwing out their Nikes. Their stock actually went up. That's continued to go up. Their sales have gone up because having a backbone is a pretty good thing for a brand. 
consumers are very cynical about brands and they have a right to be. I'll give you an example of somebody who did wrong. Now they've gotten better, but Unilever did a great job of taking a stand for women with their Dove Real Beauty campaign and expressing the important expression that we should have self-esteem, women should have self-esteem, no matter what they look like. They are beautiful, no matter what shape they come in, no matter their age, no matter whether they have makeup or not. They are beautiful. That gives you goosebumps thinking about it. Mm. But at the same time Unilever was running those ads, some people noticed, because I told you, you can't hide this stuff anymore. Some people noticed that Unilever was also running Axe body spray ads that were focused on communicating to young adolescent men that they should be chasing after the most sexy, the most beautiful, the most shapely uh, women, and that were actually very degrading to women. And Axe is not the only brand that they, that had advertising that was degrading to women at that time. And so that's an example of a brand not really standing behind what they believe. Because if you think uh, about Unilever, you'd have to ask the question, so which one is true of your company? Do you believe that advertisers should stop treating women in ways that objectifies them? Or do you believe, as you show uh, with X body spray, that it's okay to do that? Which one? And the risk is that you end up looking like just some cheap seller of soap with some gimmick that you found in a focus group, as opposed to a fundamental belief about how women should be treated. Now, I want to say, because this is a podcast, that I feel like Unilever, after being confronted with that, that dissonance, has done a good job to improve their advertising for Axe and other brands. And, and I think it's actually helped the company wake up to the fact that it was speaking out of both sides of its mouth. So Kelly, how do brands prepare to defend their values you know, in a, in a challenging time? Make sure that you really have thought through the values before you adopt them. I always think you should run some scenarios. What happens if we do hit criticism of this? Are we willing to stick with it? If not, don't do it. Not everybody has to have the same set of values. Make sure it's a true belief and not just a convenient message. And then if it's a true belief, you should already have your defenses prepared. We always like to build out messaging that supports that core conviction. Uh, why is that core conviction important? Why are we going to pursue it every chance we get? Preparation really helps. Assume that something's going to go wrong. Stuff goes wrong all the time. A corporation is a large, complex organization, often a multinational organization with different products, divisions, and lots of people, and people make mistakes. If you're not preparing for the mistakes that are likely to happen, then I think you've got challenges. We see great brands make mistakes, too. You know, Toyota had significant problems with reliability and braking issues. When it happened, their CEO stood up and said, this is our fault. We screwed up and we're not going to rest until we make it right. And everybody was like, okay, that's a good response. 
keep it coming. That's that's what I want to hear. Delta just did that this past week. Delta Airlines has been a, a better brand than most in a category of uh, air travel, which hasn't been the most luxurious category of late. They have a climb higher mission and purpose that they want to continue to improve the quality of your air travel experience. But a couple of weeks ago, they announced that they were going to be cutting back on access to their sky clubs, which are these fabulous clubs in the airports, for their frequent flyer members. And their frequent flyers went ballistic, as you might imagine. This is a great example of what you just said. How do you prepare for it? The CEO said, I made a mistake. We were wrong. We moved too quickly. We went too far with our programs. And our customers told us that, and we're going to fix it. In a way, that's all it really takes, is to be honest. Nobody expects corporations to be perfect. But we expect them to stand behind the decisions they make, or when they make a bad decision, to apologize and, and, and correct it. And the best brands do a great job of that. You have said that articulating a brand's values in marketing is not virtue signaling or being progressive or conservative. It's simply good business, which I, which I love. Um, can you just talk about you know, how you get brands and leaders to buy into that notion? I, I think if I was talking to brand leaders right now, I'd be saying, think again about timeless right and wrong issues that you can support. Many of the issues that we tend to think of as getting politicized are, are really kind of not political issues. You know, these things didn't used to be looked at politically. Is it political to pay the women who work for your company the same as the men? That's not a political issue. That's not a right and left issue. That's a right and wrong issue. By the way, State Street Advisors is a company that put the fearless girl on Wall Street, a statue in front of the bull of a, of a young girl standing up to that bull. Fantastic. Got great press. And then it's almost like always an and then. And then they had to pay a $5 million settlement because the women in their organization said, yeah, it'd be nice if you paid me the same as the guy across the hall who does my same job. And they weren't paying their own women the same. Yeah, we're not asking brands to be perfect. But if you're going to say that you care about how women are treated and you care about their ability to be equals in the world of finance, make them equals. <laughs> do what you say you're going to do. Cynicism and consumer cynicism has never been higher for brands. Never. It's never been higher for advertising. Cynicism comes from when a brand says they're going to do one thing. And then they don't do it. Wells Fargo did that. They said they were operating at the highest level of ethics. It was right on their website. Turns out that they were screwing customers day after day by charging them for insurance they never asked for, among other things. So when the consumer sees that, they get anxious. And it's bad for all brands. I remember I was sitting next to a leader of an American car company, a CMO, at an event that Warden held, the Future of Advertising event, uh, several years ago, right after Volkswagen CEO had to step down because of their fake emissions scandal. So they had been faking the emissions of their vehicles. And the person from this U.S. car company said, good news for us, right? And I said, no, it's terrible news for you. 
Because when you go out and you have a car that has better emission standards and you want to advertise that, you now have to get through that crust of disbelief that the consumer has because of what Volkswagen did. This cumulative lying, deceiving that's happening in the marketplace is bad for all of us. And it's part of why values are so important, because if I don't believe in what you say, then I'm going to look at what you do. And we do that in life. If I have a son, I have four sons. Every now and then, you know, I'd say, okay, son, is your homework done? Yep, it's done, dad. Okay, great. Then you go to the teacher meeting and you're like, your son hasn't been doing his homework. (laughs) So the next time I go to my son and I say, is your homework done? He's going to say, yep, dad, it's done. What am I going to do? I'm going to take a look and check it. If I can't believe your words, I look to your actions. That's why all of this discussion about purpose and values is so important. Consumers are now looking to your actions. Lastly, Kelly, you mentioned a few great brands that are living their values with conviction, Nike, Apple, Delta. Are there a few others that you want to mention? Well, certainly there are, there's a lot of good ones and more every day. I think Berkshire, Berkshire Hathaway and Warren Buffett have been honest brokers ever since he launched that company. I think they're very straightforward in what they do. I think Geico tries to be a very positive brand. I think uh, brands like Patagonia, REI, I think uh, we see brands that are in uh, more of a rural world like John Deere um, doing a great job. I think Disney does a great job. You know, they've been challenged like almost no other brand with these so-called culture wars lately. And for the most part, they haven't always done it, but for the most part, they've withstood the absolute attacks. Look at what's going on down in Florida with DeSantis and they, you know, don't say gay bill and the 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 aftershocks of trying to take away some of their jurisdiction. For the most part, Disney hasn't folded. Now, they're not a perfect brand. None of the ones I mentioned are. If there is a perfect brand out there, I haven't found it yet. But I do think there are a lot of brands that are aspiring to try and live by their ideals and by their convictions. And it's a great trend. Kelly O'Keefe, thank you so much for joining me on Beyond Profit. Thank you, Ken. It's been fun. To learn more about Brand Federation's unique business model, please be sure to visit brandfederation.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a presentation of the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.